1994 was the greatest year for music releases ever. Maybe. I mean, it really is all personal taste. 1969's resume, that's pretty stacked. There was Zeppelin 1 and 2, The Beatles' Abbey Road, The Stones' Let It Bleed, CCR's Green River, The Who's Tommy, MC5's Kick Out the Jams, even had Santana and the Stooges with self-titled releases that year. 1971's resume, not a slouch either. Zeppelin 4, The Who's Who's Next, The Stones with Sticky Fingers, Sabbath with Master of Reality, John Lennon with Imagine. How about 1977? The Clash's self-titled record, the Sex Pistols' only record, David Bowie had Low and Heroes, Iggy Pop had The Idiot, Pink Floyd had Animals, Fleetwood Mac had Rumors, Clapton had Slow Hand. I mean, if we're bringing up the greatest years of music and we're talking about the 90s, how do you not bring up 1991? Nirvana's Nevermind, Pearl Jam's 10, Metallica's Black Album, U2's Actung Baby, The Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Soundgarden Bad Motor Finger, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. And those were all released in like the second half of the year, with the exception of U2, all released within a couple months of each other. And to make those releases even more special, they put the final nail in the coffin of hair metal. And for most of the rest of the decade, the alternative became the mainstream. It's an oversimplification of events, but yes. I'm not going to deny 1991's importance in this. They got the ball rolling. They ran so 1994 could fly. A combination of volume and quality. A combination of the number of releases and the caliber of releases turning 30 this year puts 1994 on the top of the mountain for me. Green Day Dookie. Nirvana Unplugged in New York. Soundgarden Super Unknown. The Offspring Smash. Pearl Jam Vitalogy. Stone Temple Pilots Purple. Weezer the Blue Album. Bush 16 Stone. R.E.M. Monster. Beastie Boys Ill Communication. Nine Inch Nails The Downward Spiral. Whole Live Through This, Oasis Definitely Maybe, Blur Park Life, Rancid Let's Go, Bad Religion Stranger Than Fiction, Beck Mellow Gold, Live Throwing Copper, Hootie and the Blowfish Cracked Rear View, The Stones with Voodoo Lounge, The Cranberries with No Need to Argue, The Hip with Day for a Night, Moist Silver, Sloan Twice Removed, Toad the Wet Sprocket. I mean... There's actually so many more. I didn't even touch pop or hip-hop, and it was a huge year for those genres too, but I didn't want this episode to just to just be a list. The first big release of 1994 dropped on January 25th by a grunge band who was more metal than anyone else in the scene, but this release showed off their softer side. At this point, Alice in Chains had released Facelift in 1990 and Dirt in 1992. In early 1993, bassist Mike Starr left the band to spend more time with his family. That, or he was kicked out because of escalating drug use, depending on whose story you believe. By the way, escalating drug use would be the theme for many Allison Chains members over the coming years. Regardless, he was replaced by Mike Inez, who used to play in Ozzy Osbourne's band. And with their new bassist, they recorded a couple songs for the Last Action Hero soundtrack, probably the most underrated Arnie movie ever. And they continued touring. After the 93 tour, according to frontman Lane Staley, the band just wanted to go into the studio for a few days with their acoustic guitars and see what happened. What happened was Jar of Flies. 
Not a full-length album, but an EP. Do I have to explain what an EP is, or did me saying Jar of Flies isn't a full-length album, but an EP suffice as an explanation? Probably good enough. Not the band's first EP either. There was We Die Young released just before Facelift, not particularly memorable and released before they broke out, but it is a sought-after collector's item amongst Alice in Chains fans. Then there was Sap, released in 92, just a couple months before Dirt. Brother was the standout, and Got Me Wrong became a hit a couple years later on the Clerks soundtrack. Am I going to do a 1994 soundtrack series on this list? Reality Bites, The Crow... Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Forrest Gump, Above the Rim, The Professional, Street Fighter. No. Focus Ed. Just albums. Where was I? Alice in Chains, 1994. They've released two EPs and two full-length albums. And of all the grunge bands, they were the heaviest. I never like to think of grunge as a sound, but a scene, right? Like, I find it weird when Stone Temple Pilots, a band from San Diego, or the Smashing Pumpkins, a band from Chicago, are lumped in with all the Seattle grunge bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, when really all they had in common was that they didn't sound or dress like hair metal. Well, the Seattle bands had Seattle in common. They were part of the same scene. Well, Kind of. Reading old interviews, there always seemed to be a certain cattiness about who belonged to that scene, who was authentically part of that scene, and who was just a rock band from Seattle. Depending on the interview, Alice in Chains was a bit different. I mean, in the 80s, they were hair metal, like bouffant hairdos and everything. But spelling changes and lineup changes, most importantly, Lane Staley meeting Jerry Cantrell and adding him to the band... They were still metal, but more sludge metal than hair metal. The grunge scene was heavy, but Alice in Chains were Andre the Giant heavy. There was just something about Lane's voice with distorted guitars. I want to say matched perfectly. But then there was Lane's voice with acoustic guitars, and it was somehow better. Lane's voice with distorted electric guitars is like, is like peanut butter and jelly. But Lane's voice with acoustic guitars is like a Reese's peanut butter cup. And yes, it's Reese's, not Reese's. You, you say Reese's pieces, you don't say Reese's pieces. We had examples of this combination before in Sap with Brother, but in Jar of Flies, that combination was on full display. Nutshell, I stay away, no excuses, and don't follow were the standouts with no offense to Rotten Apples, Whale and Wasp, and swing on this. Seven songs, just over half an hour of music that, according to Lane Staley, they never really planned on releasing, but the record label heard it and really liked it. Uh, good call, Columbia Records. Jar of Flies became the first EP in music history to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, and No Excuses became the band's first number one single. The best description I could find of Jar of Flies was from Paul Evans of Rolling Stone, who called the EP... Darkly gorgeous. That nails it. You don't, you don't need to read the rest of his review from 1994. My guest today, no stranger to 90s music. He hosts middays on Power 97 in Winnipeg, including the 90s at noon. Also evenings on Q107 in Toronto. He's Dan Chen. And Dan, when I was going through my list of media friends, I knew I had to get you on for this project. I am a very big 90s grunge guy, so all of the big Seattle grunge, like for me, actually it's, it's interesting because I started off when I was younger, when I was in elementary high school, 
Nirvana was like top of my list. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, after what happened in 1994 with Kurt dying, it just, it was just, that was it with Nirvana. Mm-hmm. So then I, Pearl Jam was always my second, but they became my first just because of longevity. Yeah. And they continued to release more and more and more. But, you know, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains are just up there as well. I, I you know, I've listened to all their records. There they, they was, they, that core four uh, of bands were, were really my soundtrack to my, to my childhood. Uh, in terms of Alice in Chains uh, albums, where does Jar of Flies rank for you? Jar of Flies is one of those albums that I put on when I'm just feeling like I just want to mellow out and just want to chill out. Um, it's 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 one of those albums that when you hear it, it's kind of jarring at first, and no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's it's a bit of a um, difference from Dirt because you know you had those hard thumping songs like them them bones um it's more like somber and more chill more relaxed and something that you could almost kind of describe jar of flies as almost like um concept album yeah that's kind of how i saw it because they 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 touched on acoustic stuff before right um right with with sap their other their uh other ep or i guess one of their other two eps uh, but they never really went mm-hmm. full on acoustic. And I've, I read in interviews that Lane Staley kind of just said, yeah, we just went to the studio and just wanted to try some stuff because they were hard on the road for a long time. And then uh, they didn't even, even plan to, to to release it. And then all of a sudden the record label was like, no, no, guys, that was really good. <laughs> we're releasing that. So good good call Columbia Records on that one. Absolutely. It's one of those records where you you don't really know what to expect mm. because you're like as you, you know you're thinking sap, you're thinking yeah. dirt, you think it's something heavy like like wood or angry chair, but then you hear songs that are more like no excuses. Yeah. Um or I stay away. And what I love about this album too is that it kind of feels like they're trying different things. Not just like the acoustic version, like let's try to tone things down, but they're adding elements to it too. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. Like there's a lot of um there's like a, a a string orchestra in in there there's a there's a um uh one of the songs has a um harmonica solo so they're, they're trying different things and you get, there's definitely that rhythm and blues um feel and influence in there as well what's your favorite song on the album no excuses yeah. i like no excuses yeah actually truth be told i actually heard the mtv unplugged performance like i had that album before jar of flies yeah. so when i when i when i went back and listened to jar of flies i like revisited everything that mm-hmm. i heard from the unplugged album and i was like oh this is basically the mtv unplugged album um so yeah that's that's sort of how i discovered jar of flies um because i was a big fan of like the mtv saga uh, those unplugged series. So absolutely, one of the the greatest uh, unplugged performances there with Allison Chains. Mm-hmm. That. There's something about Lane Staley's voice with acoustic guitars, right? Because you, you've mentioned like him with heavy guitars, with with distorted guitars, and it's there's some sort of magic there. But there's something that happens with him in acoustic. Maybe he just has a great voice. I don't know. Does doesn't matter. Yeah, it's very yeah. It's it's one of those like it's a very distinct voice. And, uh, you know, God bless him. And, you know, he is sadly missed. But it's just it's one of those very like signature type voices that you don't really hear a lot these days. And but when it puts together when it's put together with with um, um, with Jerry's 
melodies and guitar playing. It just works. The two of them work. And I was just reading about Jar of Flies. Like, it was really uh, a contentious period between Jerry and Lane. Of course, Lane dealing with his own personal demons and substance abuse problems. And you could hear the through the lyrics, especially with no excuses, like him, them trying to navigate those waters together uh, through music. When was the first time you remember listening to this album and when was the last time you listened to this album, aside from like the other day when I was like, hey, do you want to talk about this album? Well, it's funny, and you mentioned because that was the last time I heard it was just preparing for this. <laughs> but the fir- first time I heard it was, uh, I would say probably late 90s. So after this, or no, like mid, mid-90s, mid I'd mm-hmm. say. Uh, Alice in Chains, like I said, one of those... Uh, I was I was really heavy into Dirt. Yeah, that was I remember Dirt. I remember their like their 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 dog album, the Tripod album. Oh, yeah, I listened that. to a lot. This one just felt like I you have to be in the mood for. Mm. And then them coming from Seattle, like I could I could kind of imagine it, you know, being wet and dreary and cloudy. Like this is the kind of music you want to play when you're feeling sad and you're looking out the window. You want to play and you're hoping for the sun to come out, but it's not. So I, I feel I know the answer for you personally, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think this is Alice in Chains at their peak? It depends on how you look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I, I like this album for the melodies and their ability to try different things and it working. Um, they aren't just like a you know a, a a hardcore alternative or grunge band. They're not just somebody. They're not just a band that has like heavy riffs. Like they do have soft melodies. They do have um, um, a different style that could that still works for them. Uh, and also, this was this was the first album that they had uh, when they, after they kicked out what's his name Mike Starr. Yeah. Because of his drug issue, so this is the first album that. So it was almost like a reset, and you could kind of feel like we're like they're they're kind of going back to basics on this album. Uh, now, turning thirty today, is this an album that is timeless, or is it an album of its time? I would say it's an album of its time. Yeah, you don't think like if album it came out, although if it came out today, although, it would be weird. No, I don't think it'd be weird. Okay. I don't think it would be weird. I think it's just one of those things where you know when it just feels dark okay you know i guess in, t- in terms of in tone and content it just feels dark I and mean, you can argue that we're living in dark times now um but it just it just feel for me it feels like it's it takes me back when i listen to this album i'm immediately 14 again i'm immediately 15 listening and like on my sony discman uh <laughs> oh look having, at dan dan you know, had a discman not a walkman <laughs> okay i got it okay it was an anti shock though so it shocked a lot <laughs> Uh, it always skipped. So, um, but yeah, it immediately takes me back to those times for sure. So I would say it's not, it's, 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 it's not something that I would listen to today, but it takes me back when I do listen to it today. Dan Chen from Q107 in Toronto and Power 97 in Winnipeg. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it, man. And call, give me a shout for any other ones that oh. you guys are doing. So I guess you're doing 30. 30. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be calling you again a couple times probably.